Let's pray. Father, when we look at the world around us, we admit to having times of fear. Thank you for the reminder that you are above all and through all and in all and that we are safe by your side. Thank you that you shelter us under your wings as a mother hen protects her chicks, that you wrap your arms around us and embrace us as a mother holds her baby. You are closer than a brother. You are stronger than a friend. And you are always for us and never against us. Thank you that we need not fear anything. And thank you now that you give us your word to learn from, to be encouraged and to find rest in it. And we pray that as we hear it now, you may touch our souls and make our burdens light. Give us ease to hear what you want us to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to hear Psalm 25 read to us. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My ears are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Okay, so we're looking at Psalm 25 today. Uh, and Psalm 25, what we're going to be focusing in on is this whole question of guidance. Guidance. We long for guidance, right? Um, uh, uh, it surprises me actually how, um, how popular horoscopes are um, today. I don't know if you sort of picked this up. 
Um, I do not recommend it, um, but I did go on uh, and look up my horoscope for today. Apparently, I'm a Libra. I don't know what that means. But it said this. Here's my guidance for the day according to today's horoscope. You can enjoy the company of friends now, and there may be celebration. It's sort of suitably vague, so it can fit so many, you know, anyway. Uh, there may be a celebrations due. There's a tendency for confusion and perhaps two friends on the sidelines causing you some concern. You may find it hard to commit. It's always best to talk about how you feel and not let these issues fester for too long. Apparently, there's something about planetary transits, which I had no idea about. Um, and it, it kind of goes on. You get the idea, though, right? There's this longing for guidance, for some kind of word outside of ourselves to show us what to do in the, in this, in the world, show us how to, con, how to act, where to go in this chaotic world it, where that so much seems out of control. Um, uh, people are talking more and more about decision fatigue in COVID especially. Uh, maybe you've picked up on that. Um, it, it, there's all, so many things now that we have to keep in mind, just doing ordinary everyday stuff. And it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting. So, where will you turn for guidance? Where will you turn for guidance? Uh, and what does the Bible have to say about all of this? What kind of guidance can you expect in the Christian life? Now, there's lots to say about this across the whole of the Bible's teaching, but Psalm 25 is one really key place it's a really, one of the key places in the Bible that reflects on this really important issue. Uh, it's a really good psalm for us to think about as we think about the uncertain times that we're living in. Uh, a quick bit of context. So the psalm, it says it's written, it's a psalm of David, uh, the greatest king of God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. Uh, David's story is one of hardship and struggle. And you see that reflected in the psalm, right? As it was read through, you would have picked that up. Real hardship and opposition and struggle. Uh, it's written by someone facing a crisis. He feels afflicted and alone. He can't see his way forward. But at the same time he's in this kind of crisis, he can't see his way forward. At the same time, he does know three things. There are three things that uh, come out in this psalm that I want us to focus on this morning. He knows these three things that make all the difference he knows that there is a guide. There is a guide. He knows the sort of person who is guided by this guide. The sort of person who is, who is guided by the guide. And he knows the sort of guidance this guide gives. There's lots of guides in there, but that's how we're going to be thinking about this psalm. The guide, the guided, and the guidance. Uh, you'll see that on if you have your hand out there. Um, if you want to take notes on that. But he opens up the song in verse 1. Come up on the screen there. Verse 1 says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Who is this guide? Who is this guide that David cries out to when he can't see his own way forward, when he's in need of guidance? Who is the guide? Well, he opens up by calling him, You, Lord my God. You see... Um, you can see there in your Bibles, the word Lord is in capital letters. Uh, that, that's, that signals that in the original language it's written in, it's the name Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, the special name of the one true God who committed himself to a covenant relationship with his people Israel, 
I do, there's, uh, what, what that does for us as we open up this psalm is it's sort of a, a hint, a hint that there is something much bigger going on in the background. There's a much bigger story that this psalm fits within. It's the story of the God who lovingly creates all things, the story of the rebellion of his people that he made, and then the story of God's response, how he chooses one man, Abraham, and gives him these incredible promises that through his seed he would bless all the worlds. And David said, God is not just the God of Abraham or the God of Moses. What does he call him? He says, my God, this God is my God. And he, and, he, and he consciously, he deliberately puts his trust in his God. In his God. And not just his God, but you, you read it on and, and you find out it's his, this God is his saviour as well. Verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my saviour. My saviour. And verse 6, he goes on and calls on God to remember his great mercy and love for they are from of old. David's confidence in his God as his saviour, the one who will guide him, is based on God's mercy and love in, that he has shown him in the past. What else do we learn about this guide? Uh, verse 8 and 9, it, we see that he is both good and upright. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides and teaches the humble. In verse 14, this, this God is a God who confides in those who fear him. That word, it, it's a really intimate image. That it, it, You could actually say this another way, that the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. That image of confiding in someone, someone who's a, an intimate friend. You let in on your kind of, uh, on your secrets. It's an amazing, intimate, personal image this relationship with the god of all things god god welcomes us into his intimate company so friends all of that to say in a world where we are kind of stumbling around longing for guidance this is really good news this psalm, psalm gives us great news there is a guide there is a guide there is a loving good just guide who offers you an intimate relationship with him but that's not all this psalm has to say he goes david also what he also focuses on is not just the character of our guide but the character of those who are guided by that guide and this is really important so important what would it take for you to receive guidance from this god this God of covenant faithfulness. Uh, I reckon our instinct, and we, I think we do this all the time, our instinct is to kind of see God's guidance as like something that we can tap into. Maybe there's some kind of technique or spiritual practice that if we just get it right, the light will go on and we'll suddenly know what to do. At its worst, that's actually a kind of pagan way of thinking about God. God's kind of a means to an end, someone that we use to get what we want. But God is not a means to an end. God is the end. We don't just use him to get something. We get him. We get him. Psalm 25 is so helpful because it, 
It shows us that the key to being guided by this guide, it's not some technique or kind of special ability that some people have and others don't. The key to being guided by this guide is the recognition of our inability, our utter lostness without him. What did we learn up here? He guide, who does he guide? He guides the humble in what is right. And verse 12, he goes on and says, the one God instructs and confides are those who fear him. And again in verse 14, you see that. It's not talking about that kind of anxious, terrified fear, but a deep awe at who God is and what he's done, being overwhelmed by both his glory and his goodness. And friends, if David knew God's mercy and love from of old, that was what he kind of based his confidence in. If David knew that, we know it in a far richer way because of Jesus Uh, The gospel calls us into this kind of wise, joy-filled, awe-filled fear of God. As we're overwhelmed by all that he is and all he's done, by the unthinkable wonder that in Jesus, the God of the universe should be your God. Uh, Your saviour. Your friend who takes your sin on his shoulders that's the kind of fear that is the beginning of wisdom. And, and what David shows in this psalm is that that fear overflows within us. It overflows to a life of obedience. Verse 10, uh, it, it says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful to, towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. It, it's not talking about being sinless here. It's not talking about sort of being perfect but having an obedience as the kind of direction of your heart, having a desire to trust God and to follow his word, even when your heart might want to lead you somewhere else. And there's a great promise here in this verse, in verse 10. God will never disappoint. All his ways are faithful and just and loving, loving and faithful. Uh, We might not always see that. We might not even see it in this life, but we can trust it's ultimately true because we know the character of our guide. We know the goodness of God. I think of an example of this. Uh, uh, Many of us probably know the the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. One of my favourites is The Silver Chair. Uh, It has these characters, these two children, Jill and Scrub, um, and they're given this quest by Aslan. Uh, you know the story, as some of us will. They're giving this quest to find the lost Prince of Narnia. And Aslan gives them four signs to follow. They, they, um, they mess up the first three signs. Uh, and uh, it leads to the fourth sign. Uh, and the fourth sign is that the prince will be the first person to ask them to do something in Aslan's name. So this is that sign that Aslan gave them. Anyway, they find themselves underground in an underground city with a marsh wiggle called Puddleglum. Uh, and they're, all, they're locked in this room with a strange knight dressed in black armour and he's tied to this silver chair because he goes into an uncontrollable rage every night. Uh, and they've promised not to untie him. And then you read this. 
And the guy in the chair, he's, he's pleading with them to let him out of, his, out of his chains. And he says, Once and for all, said the prisoner, I adjure you to set me free by all fears and all loves, by the bright skies of Overland, by the great lion, by Aslan himself, I charge you. Oh, cried the three travellers, as though they'd been hurt. It's the sign, said Puddleglum. You know anything about Puddleglum? He's very, very kind of, he's like Eeyore. He's, he's very um, solemn. It's the sign. Oh, what are we to do, said Jill? If only we knew. I think we do know, said Puddleglum. Do you mean you think everything will come right if we untie him, said Scrub? I don't know about that, said Puddleglum. You see, Aslan didn't tell Paul what would happen. He only told her what to do. That fellow will be the death of us once he's up, I shouldn't wonder. Puddleglum's always saying stuff like that. But that doesn't let us off following the sign. Uh, they, they couldn't see how it would all pan out. And according to Puddleglum, there was a good chance it would lead to their death. <laughs> but they knew Aslan... And they knew he was good. They knew that his ways were loving and faithful, even if they couldn't see how they would end. They knew he had given them instructions for a reason, so the story goes on. They obey. They follow the sign. And, of course, if you know the story, the, the dark knight in the chair turns out to be the lost prince uh, of Narnia. So... Uh, I thought that was a great sort of example of this kind of obedient heart uh, that, that flows out of a, the right fear of the Lord. Obedient, not sinless, not perfect. In fact, the, uh, the next thing that you see about these people who are guided is that they are sinners and they know it. They are, they are sinners. They, they acknowledge their sin and they ask forgiveness, confident in God's goodness. Look at these verses. Verse 7. It's all through this psalm. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Verse 8, this guide instructs sinners. Verse 11, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Verse 18, take away all my sins. Friends, there is a good, willing, powerful guide who guides the humble those who fear him, who cast themselves on him for forgiveness, who, like David, cry out to him to turn to them and be gracious. Lots of people look to God for guidance. Lots of Christian people look to God for guidance. But hold on to a proud and unrepentant heart towards him. Friends, maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Perhaps you still think of yourself as basically a good person who's looking for a bit of a leg up from God, you know, a bit of help from him in achieving your life goals. Rather than as a lost sinner, casting yourself on God's forgiveness and mercy. If that is you, God says here that you won't receive any guidance from him. Not because he's not willing, but because you're not. Because you're not. 
You're looking for a little help in, in, in achieving your life goals. Some guidance so that you can be happy and successful here and now. God loves you too much to settle for that. He has a far more glorious path to guide you on than just that. And it's the humble, not the proud, who follow him in that way. So humble yourself. Humble yourself under his mighty hand so that in due season he will lift you up. So where does this good guide lead those who are humble before him? Where does he lead them? What is this guidance? This is so wonderful, uh, I think. He has a path so much better and bigger and brighter than any path you could dream up for yourself. Um, we want some guidance in our ways, right? I want, I want to be guided in my way. But what Psalm 25 shows us is that God guides us not in my way, but in his ways. Not primarily in my way. God guides us in his way. Uh, look at this, verse 4 and 5. What does David plead with God? Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my saviour. Look down at verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. Down in verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So what is it that God shares with his intimate circle of friends, those he brings into this rich relationship with him? He teaches them his ways. His ways. He shares the knowledge. Verse 14, he makes his covenant known to them. He shares the knowledge of his great plan and promise to renew his world. His purpose to bring forgiveness and freedom from sin, to turn rebels into worshippers. God is in the business of opening your eyes to see just how beautiful and big and awesome and life-giving his ways are. What David's saying here is, before I think about my way, I need to be immersed in your way. I need to be immersed in your ways. I reckon it's a bit like learning a language. Um, I have had various unsuccessful attempts at learning different languages, uh, so maybe I'm not the best person to talk about this, but, uh, and maybe this, uh, this is why, because it takes a long time, right? And it takes kind of constant immersion in the language. Those of you who know other languages will know this. Um, one example I was, uh, I was thinking of is uh, apparently uh, in Chinese, uh, the, word, now, the word for mother is the same as the word for horse, but just with different tones in it. Um, so that's going to get you in trouble, right? Unless you know the different tones. Uh, can, you, and can you imagine me saying, I want to learn this language, so I get myself a Chinese-English dictionary, I spend a couple of minutes reading it every now and again for a little inspiration, maybe I get together once a month with some other people and kind of we read the dictionary together for half an hour. I mean, that's not going to do it, is it? 
There's no way I'm going to... That's not. You have to immerse yourself in it, in community, over a long time, to train, your, to train yourself to discern the difference between horse and mother and not get yourself into some hot water. God guides us by teaching us his ways, giving us a, a new way to look at the world, a new language to understand it with. But it takes immersion over, t- a, long t- over a lifetime in the community of his church, independence upon his spirit, as through his word he trains us to think in his ways, to think like he thinks, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates. And when our heart is tuned to God's ways, the expectation and the promise of this psalm is that we'll be able to see our own path more clearly, uh, that God will instruct us in the ways we should choose so that our ways line up with his ways. Uh, David knew something of God's ways. He, 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 he knew God's ways, how God had shown his mercy and his grace in the past. Friends, you and I are in a much better position than David, than David was, who wrote this psalm. We have seen the fullness of God's ways in a way that David could never imagine. Verse 22, David ends this psalm. It's all been personal all the way through. He ends the psalm. By crying out for Israel's redemption, deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. That cry kind of carries through the Old Testament and it finds its fulfillment in David's greatest son, the eternal king of God's kingdom, Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is the kind of full revelation of the ways of God, the fullest outworking of God's plan to redeem his people. Uh, his plan to defeat sin and to renew his world. Jesus is the one who perfectly keeps the demands of his covenant, of the covenant, who, who brought about a new covenant in his blood uh, so that whoever trusts in him can be completely forgiven and brought into his perfect relationship with his Father. So, friends, every time we spend time in God's word... Every time we spend time in prayer, every time we gather with God's people to confess our sin together and to remind each other of the gospel, as we sing and as we read and as we listen and as we talk, we are letting ourselves be guided, led deeper into God's ways so that they might shape us in our own ways. I think all of this, that God guiding us in his ways, I think this is actually a deeply liberating thing. Uh, It means that life doesn't have to be kind of this constant anxious quest for the one right decision all the time. You know, like some, some of us will feel that. You don't need absolute certainty in all your decisions because you have certainty in God's ways. You know what he's on about, right? You know what he's on about. He's on about the gospel. You can rest in the knowledge that Jesus, that in Jesus you have the God of covenant relationship as your father who lovingly guides you by his spirit through his word 
in the family of his church. And because of that, you can have confidence that no one who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame. That all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who are his children by faith in our perfect King in Jesus. Let's pray. Our God, you are the God of covenant faithfulness. You have shown your great love and mercy to us uh, most fully and wonderfully in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we can know you as the good and faithful God that you are, the one who guides your people. Father, we confess so often our hearts are proud and we turn to our own way and not to yours. Forgive us, our King, our Father. Forgive us. Help us to come to you humbly each day. And guide us in your ways, we pray. Pray for us as a church together that we will be a community longing to know more and more who you are and what your ways are. And that in the light of that, uh, you will guide us every step of the way. Give us confidence that you will do that, I pray. And help us to trust you and wait for you. In Jesus' name, amen.